You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to your Monday edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View, and we're coming to you after the conclusion of the 2021 NFL Draft, which uh, turned into a very interesting, unusual, and un-Giant-like experience, really, with, with trades back, trades up all kinds of, of intrigue from your New York Giants. And, and here to help me discuss it is former Minnesota Vikings and Tennessee Titans executive Jeff Diamond, a, a somewhat regular visitor to the show. Jeff, uh, how you doing? Long weekend, uh, long weekend for all of us. Yeah, doing fine, Ed. Thank you. It's uh, always an interesting time during the draft, for sure. And uh, I, I have to ask right off the bat, do you uh, – you have any idea what what got into Dave Gettleman? I mean, who who took over his body for the weekend? Yeah, how about that? He actually made a made a trade down in the draft, and and it looks like it turned out pretty good. So I, I certainly like that he picked up an extra what first round pick next year, and especially in a draft that has more certainty next year. And so I think an extra fourth round pick too from the Bears in that move, and so. Uh, along with the fifth rounder this year. So I thought, I thought it turned out to be a really good move for the giants. Ultimately, especially if, if Tony becomes a, an impact receiver. <laughs> yeah. Two trades down as a matter of fact, because he actually traded down in the second round as well to uh, when, when they picked up Aziz Ojolari at, uh, at 50, they traded from 42 down to 50 and, uh, and, and picked up a, another pick in that 2022 draft. So uh, two trades down. It's like it, it, it became habit forming for Dave. Yeah, exactly. And, and so I'm, I'm sure that, that he uh, is happy with how, how it turned out. But ultimately, as I always caution everyone, and it kind of drives me crazy, Ed, when all these people, uh, the, the media analysts and so forth, grade drafts, after immediately after a draft, which is just ridiculous. Guilty, guilty, you, guilty, guilty as yeah, charged. Of course, <laughs> of course, exactly. Which, which, uh, which most people are in the media, and, and and I'm in the media now too. Although I don't grade drafts, I I say incomplete until we further notice, until we really know if these guys are going to become great players and or even good players. And oh. so I, I think it truly is. It, it really truly takes about three years before you know if a, a draft class was was really good or not so good if a draft pick was really good or not so good uh sometimes it takes two years but usually three years very rarely are you going to know immediately with a player and and even when you think you do such as guys like Vince Young the Titans had a first round pick 
and RG3 in Washington that won both of those guys won rookie of the year. And a couple of years later, they were out of their starting jobs, had been hurt or whatever, for whatever reason, had not performed. And so you really have to wait to, to judge a draft. And who knew when Kansas City, when Kansas City took Patrick Mahomes, who knew two years later he was going to be the best player in the league? And so I'm sure that Andy Reid may have thought so, but he didn't know for sure until it happened. And, and there have been lots of great players picked in later rounds, as we well know. And so you just have to take it all with a grain of salt. It's fine, fine to make these early projections and, and analysis or whatever, but ultimately we just don't know what's going to happen. Is Ojolari going to end up being the best pass rusher in the league, have a 20-sack pass rusher, or, is, or is, are his knee issues going to prevent him from being a really good player? Those are the things that have to unfold over time. Exactly. And and it's funny when it comes to draft grades, when it comes to draft winners and losers and, and, and all of that, you know, Dave says the same thing that you said. We'll know in three years if I got this right. But people and it's funny because readers will will complain about draft grades and they'll complain about power rankings and, and all of those things. But guess what? They read them, they want them, they discuss them, and you know, it. I don't like doing them either, but it is one of those things that that people will complain about, but they want so, and they consume the information. So you give them what they you give them what they ask for, even if they complain about it. Yeah, of course, and that's the, the nature of the media beast that we all are, and and understanding that, and and so it it's always going to be interesting to see how things shake out in a draft. And I think that it's all you can analyze at this point is who appears to have made good moves. I, I really like what the bears did, for example, in, in moving up with the giants to go get Justin Fields. And I think that he has the talent to become a really good quarterback in this league, but will he, we don't know yet. Uh, but I think it was a, Certainly a, a bold move by Ryan Pace, the, the GM of the, of the Bears, and, and honestly, kind of a swing for the fences that he needed to do to keep his job after the Trubisky disaster that they've had the last couple of years when they took him over Mahomes and Watson. And so that's the way things go. But, yeah, there are certain things that happen. I, I like that what the Eagles did, that they pick up an extra first-round pick next year by maneuvering in the draft and they still end up getting an Im impact receiver potentially in Devonte Smith, a game breaker. And so I think that those are the kind of things that you look at initially and say, yeah, okay, good move. The Vikings, for example, here where I am in the twin cities and, and they, they pass on Vera Tucker who the jets jumped on, but the Vikings get an extra two third round picks in order to, to move down nine spots and, and they end up taking Kellen Mond, the quarterback from Texas A&M uh, and, and a good guard in Wyatt Davis out of Ohio state. Well, if those guys both end up as starters and Kellen Mond becomes a great quarterback in the league as a third round guy, like Russell Wilson was, then you say, wow, what a great move the Vikings made to, to move down. But if, if Darisaw, who they drafted doesn't end up panning out, and if Vera Tucker's a Hall of Fame guard, you say, bad move. But it's going to take time to analyze all those things. 
Right. Obviously it is. And, and, and this is kind of what I have written at Big Blue View, Jeff, that, that really on the face of it, as we sit here today, looking at what the Giants did, I thought the Bears-Giants trade was a win-win for the Giants. They, they got a guy who, you know, if he pans out, if he, if he pans out the way that, that, uh, that a lot of people think he will, you know, Kadarius Tony should be a really good NFL player. They picked up ultimately three draft picks next year, you know, in a draft that uh, that people initially think is going to be a really deep, really talent laden one. When they traded down for, for Ojalari, the pick that they used was the fifth round pick they got from the Bears. So they basically traded nothing that they didn't start the draft with to get Ojalari. So, you know, I thought that was a good move. And the way I put it is before we know anything about any of these players, it feels to me like the best work of the Dave Gettleman era as Giants GM, just in the way that they, they played the board and in the way that they, that they, they added picks for next year. Um, Is that an assessment that that's maybe too over the top, you know, for, for you, Jeff? Well, I think, yes, I think it, it was some good maneuvering, definitely. And and I really like getting a first-round pick next year because I think the one thing we know is that the draft in 2022, there'll be more certainty in that draft because you'll have a combine. There will be full medicals on, on players. There will be no opt-outs of players and a full college season. Hopefully all that comes to pass as the pandemic eases. And so I think 2022 is going to be a lot more certain in terms of what GMs are looking for in players and and making decisions and judgments. And I think it's a better year to have more draft picks than this year was, for example. And so I think when you take that into account, yes, very smart on Gettleman's part to be be moving down, picking up these extra picks and, and still get an potentially impact player in, in Tony who could be your probably your slot receiver from day one after doing the the good work to get Galloway there in free agency and going with Slayton uh, or Shepard, whoever it is. And, and all of a sudden you've got a pretty dynamic receiving core on, on top of some quality tight ends and a great running back and he's back healthy and all that helps Daniel Jones to hopefully achieve what they hope to, to get out of him when they drafted him in the first round. So I think a lot of good things have happened for the Giants this year. I, I think that they've set themselves up to be very competitive in the AFC East. And I, I think they're, they're a factor. And I thought it was interesting that, that Dave would, would accumulate assets for 2022 because if the Giants don't do well, you know, there is still the que- in, in 2021, there's the question of whether he'll be the GM making those picks in 2022. But to me, his willingness to do that tell at least tells me or at least signals to me that that he plans to be around unless he gets forced out the door. He doesn't he doesn't plan to uh, to retire anytime soon on his own. Yeah, I think that I think that's correct. And I think he wants to see this through <clears throat> what, he, what he's built with the Giants and 
started starting with Bark Barkley and Daniel Jones and and all the other additions that have happened here in the last couple of years and and so yeah I think there's always that risk but if you're going to really be a general manager in the NFL you better take a, a short and long-term view of the situation and kind of juggle those two factors as you're trying to determine how it's all going to play out and I, I think that he has set them up in, in a good position. I think there's some interesting picks down the road that he made in this draft. I think Aaron Robinson is a, a physical corner who can move and has some, has some really excellent potential to, to help that defense. And I think Brightwell could be potentially a, a really interesting guy in the backfield and as a backup for Barkley. And so there's some other good things that have happened in this in this draft and uh and Rodarius Williams uh, too has some potential so there's um I, I like I like what the Giants have done they didn't have a lot of picks but they parlayed it and and now they've got these extra picks next year sets the franchise up I think pretty well but again so much of it's going to depend on Daniel Jones development Saquon Barkley's health and all these other factors coming together and the one thing that, that, that the Giants did not do and the one thing that some fans are, are gnashing their teeth about because they were calling for it as early as the 11th pick, the one thing they did not do is address the offensive line. And, and Dave said two things. He said, you know, there were guys that we were interested in at certain points in the draft, but they were gone, you know, before we got a chance to pick. And, and, you know, they felt like when they did get to pick, there were guys of higher value. And the other thing he said is they drafted three guys last year. They still have a, a young center who's developing. He said, you know, we obviously like these guys better than you guys in the media do. And, and, and I don't know if that'll pan out, you know, I don't know, but the giants are obviously, you know, counting on a lot of development from that young offensive line, Matt Parrott, Andrew Thomas, Shane Lemieux, Nick Gates, even Will Hernandez. They're, they're planning on, they're, they're counting on a lot of development. Just out of curiosity, I mean, do you think that's a bet they're going to end up winning? I think, again, time will tell. I think there's some talent there. And as you said, and as Dave said, there were some players that I'm sure he was interested in at, at 20, but there was that run on tackles that and guard and starting Rashawn Slater went, obviously Sewell had gone earlier, but uh, Slater went early or, or went at 14 and or 13 and then Vera Tucker and, and then a whole bunch of guys come off the board and all of a sudden uh, they had a shot at Darisaw who the Vikings picked a tackle but at that point, obviously, I think and I, I respect the decision making of a general manager who looks at his grades and says, OK, we have a higher grade on on Tony than we do on Darisaw, for example. If, if that's the case, then make the, the pick that you should make, especially in the I think in the first and second round. It's a huge mistake when and we talked about this often when teams draft for, for need over quality and. I think it's happened a lot more in recent years than it used to. 
And maybe part of that is that GMs come and go so much more readily. But I think that's when teams get in trouble when they when they make a neat pick, and and you think and you think about picks such as Leatherwood to the Raiders, a guy who was rated by many a second round pick, and they pick him at seventeen, and and so it's just I think that's that could be the fool's gold of the draft when you when you go for need over over quality. And I always said to our scouts, we're not going to pick a good player at a position of need over a great player at a position we may not need. Uh, unless, that great always... player, unless that great player is a quarterback, we already have a franchise quarterback, such as when I was in Tennessee, we had Steve McNair. We weren't going to pick the quarterback. but and I, and I think that's where Aaron Rodgers, the Packers made a mistake last year with Aaron Rodgers and got him sideways with the Jordan Love pick. And even though if, if Jordan Love was their highest rated player, yeah, then I, I can possibly see it. But I can't believe that there weren't other players that, that weren't similarly rated at a different position. But you always come back to when you and I talk, you always come back to to selecting Randy Moss in the draft. You know, when you had a couple of thousand yard receivers the, the year before, um, in addition to, to Moss, I mean, can you can you think of of other examples, you know, throughout your career, you know, where, where you were faced with a decision like that? Yeah, well, that, several times that happened, of course. And I think that uh, in, in ten, Tennessee in, in 99, when we picked Javon Kurse, and, and we had a, a pretty strong defensive line already, but Javon Kurse kind of put us over the top. Uh, the Randy Moss example in 98 in Minnesota, when we had Chris Carter and Jake Reed already there as 1,000-yard receivers, and Chris was a Hall of Fame, future Hall of Famer. And so... I think there are there are just a, a ton of examples of of making picks that that you may not think are necessarily the the top need at the time, but but you you still take your best player rated, and and I think it it ends up paying off in the final analysis, and and I think in terms of of building player teams, and if you're fortunate enough to to get a position of need and it's your highest rated player, then all the better. And that kind of happened just twice in, in the 90s when we, in back-to-back years when we took uh, Todd Stucey and, and Corey Stringer, both future pro bowlers at offensive tackle. They became bookend tackles for us for many, many years and kind of the backbone of our offensive line along with uh, Hall of Famer Randall McDaniel. And I think that those were, were players that, that were, again, had great grades, but also kind of fit us in a need that we didn't have to have them. But again, it worked out. And so we'll see if this, if this Giants core that they have an offensive line is good enough. And we'll see that pretty quick here. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else. 
and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, what I want to do, Jeff, I want to, you know, this was, it was interesting for the Giants going back to making two trades at the top of the draft, actually three trades, because they traded up from 76 to 71 to get Robinson, who was a player they, they said they just didn't want to see go somewhere else. Um, I've never sat in that room. Um, and I, I, I looked at the, the first round trade that the Giants made and compared it to 2016 when they had a couple of guys go off the board that they wanted, couldn't engineer a trade or weren't prepared to engineer a trade, ended up selecting Eli Apple, number 10 overall, and that didn't work out. What I kind of want to ask you is to, as much as you can, take us behind the scenes a little bit of of the process of engineering a trade of the process of being prepared to, to, to pull a trade, you know, when you're on the clock and you've only got, you know, five minutes, seven minutes, 10 minutes to, to decide that's not something that's not something that, that happens unless you've prepared long before those 10 minutes. Am, am I right? Yeah, that, that's true. And, and certainly you're making as a GM, you're making calls, throughout the, the couple of weeks or months before the draft saying, Hey, if we're here and, and you're there and you're, are you interested in possibly moving down or moving up, whatever the case may be. And, but really those conversations are kind of a waste of time. I always felt because you just don't know what it's going to be like until draft day. And so you have to wait until probably a couple of picks before that pick you have or another team has and make those calls because no one's really going to seriously listen until the 20 minutes or so before they're picking or when they're on the clock. And so, yeah, you can have lots of conversations, lots of discussions with other people around the league, but I I think it's, as I said, a waste of time until you get to draft day and then make those calls, but you got to be ready to pounce quickly. But can you, can you at least have an idea? Cause Dave said, you know, entering the round he said he had a pretty good idea that if the opportunity arose that that ryan pace was interested in moving i mean can you at least have a pretty good idea entering draft day you know who your partners might be if, if you want to move yeah sure you can but as as i said it it's a lot of conversation that often doesn't amount to anything and it, it's worth a call yes and but if if the bears have had liked somebody at that spot or, or the giants had liked somebody well enough at that spot that Dave was not going to move, then a lot of conversation over nothing. So yeah, you, you set the table certainly, but again, I think, I think more of it is in the, in the couple of half an hour or so before that pick is when you can really have an idea of if it's going to, if it's going to come to fruition or not. All right. Three years from now, you know, I think people are pretty much convinced that had the Eagles not jumped them at 11, 
that the Giants would have taken Devontae Smith. Now, I'll be honest, Devontae Smith would not have been my favorite pick there for the Giants uh, just because I have a hard time with 166 pounds, to be honest with you. But crystal ball time, Jeff, three years from now, better player, Devontae Smith, Kadarius Tony. Well, I, I've got I've got to go Devontae Smith because I just think he's such a game breaker, and I mean so productive. Look at that national championship game; he's got two hundred plus plus yards in, in one half. Come on, uh, Tony! I think could be more of a slot type guy, and and I'm just not sure that you can have that kind of dynamic production as a game breaking receiver coming out of the slot. You can make a lot of plays. And you can be a, a Cole Beasley type or whatever the case may be that you can, you can have 80, 90 catches, a hundred catches, but I'm not sure you're going to have 15 touchdowns that I think Devonte Smith could bring for you. So I'm going to say Devonte Smith, but again, you have to take it. The jury's still out because what happens in the future, what do the giants get in the first round next year and that fourth round next year. And they could end up with, with three dynamic players plus Tony. And then you say, yeah, it was definitely a great trade for the giants. So we'll see. All right. One more crystal ball question for you. Obviously so much of this off season for the giants has been about setting up Daniel Jones. It's been about, you know, making sure that he has every opportunity to, um, you know, to succeed. And this is his third year. And you talked about, you know, three-year learning curve or development curve. Dave talks about three years all of the time when it comes to knowing whether he made the right pick or not. So obviously after this year will be three years of information on Daniel Jones. Giants have two, two first round picks next year. They have three extra picks. Are they in the market for a new quarterback after this season or do you think Daniel Jones is in a place where he's going to prove them right? Wow, that, that's that's the the million dollar question, sixty four million or whatever the question is. It's <laughs> it's the, it's the big question, and and honestly, I've liked what I've seen from Daniel Jones in terms of of his physical ability and his his touch, his his mobility. I think he's a good player. I think that he's got to do it this year. That's the way I look at it. Uh, he's got these extra weapons. They've added players. They've, they've got dynamic wide receivers. They've got a, a great potential tight end duo in, in Ingram and Kyle Rudolph. The offensive line is seems to be stocked fairly well and, and maybe, maybe they will bring in another another guy in, in free agency there always is this third kind of third wave free agency that happens after the draft and the giants still have i think some cap room to to maybe add a player if they want to do that but i i think daniel jones has got to do it this year or they're gonna, they're gonna have to think long and hard about what, what they want to do next year at that position I don't know that they're going to be in the top 10 again or wherever they were 11 this year and then move down or if they're going to, I mean, the bears likely will be a mid middle type pick 
that first rounder. And I think the Giants are going to kind of be in the same same boat and as a nine and seven, anywhere between ten and six and and seven and nine team. I think the Bears are kind of in that same boat. So, so you have those two first round picks that maybe you can package and move up into the top ten. We'll see, because we we do know that quarterbacks definitely get graded up in every draft, and there's going to be some good good quarterbacks coming out again next year. Uh, perhaps not at the quality of this year, but we'll see. And but I think Daniel Jones needs to do it this year and needs to take a big step forward. And that big step forward to me means getting these giants potentially into the playoffs in a division that I think is still winnable. I think, I think that Dallas is, will obviously have Prescott back and has added some pieces. Washington's got that great defense, but they still have question marks, quarterback, the Eagles, young quarterback. And so I think the giants are fortified to be a contender. And if he takes them to the division title and improves his numbers and looks like he's really coming on, then so much the better. All right. Hey, Jeff, thank you uh, very, very much for, uh, for spending some time with me. I know that, uh, that, that you're, uh, you're, you're struggling with the voice a little bit there because you've been talking a lot all weekend long. And I, yes, appreciate, I, have. <laughs> I, I appreciate you uh, you spending a few minutes talking a little bit more NFL draft. Always like having you on. Thank you, Ed. I appreciate it. Always great to be with you and, and uh, hope everybody is well and stay safe. All right. And Giants fans, as always, thank you for listening. We'll talk to you soon. And, and as Jeff said, stay safe out there. Take care of each other. And, and as I said, we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.